Last week, a major problem on the podcast here uh, was that I used the computer's microphone instead of the actual microphone. I'm 94% certain that I've got the correct microphone selected. That's a huge step. A huge step in any successful podcast is to make sure you're speaking into the right microphone. So if you heard it last week and you're going, I don't know, I'll give this another chance. Hey, the good news is we're off on the right foot. We've got the right microphone selected and a very simple tip that will be in my next book, Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, Don't Steal Anything, book two. But that's down the road a little ways in the podcast right now. Let's get started on this week's podcast. Here we go. So it's pretty embarrassing that last week um, I went back to listen to the podcast and, and it was all you know on the external microphone of the computer or if the internal microphone, whatever you want to call it. So it sounded like crap. And I thought, you know what? I put uh, half an hour into making the podcast. I'm not going to go back and do it again. Hopefully people would forgive me for that one. And I have not yet looked at the web stats to see how many people listened to last week's podcast, but hopefully it was a, a good number. Um, welcome to the podcast. Uh, we've got kind of an interesting episode this time because I want to talk about what people will do for fame. And I've always found this really interesting in so many different angles. And I think I got some stories to illustrate this here, including one that's in the headlines right now of what someone will do to stay famous, relevant in the limelight or whatever, because what do they say? Fame is so fleeting. If you, if you want a perfect example of how fleeting fame is, go back and watch a TV show from the 60s, the 70s, even the 80s, and look at the credits and see how many of the supporting people you've ever heard of. For example, if you went back and you watched an episode of, um, I don't know, Full House, or you watch a movie, let's say you watch, um, uh, oh, I don't know, Goonies from the 80s or 90s, and you look at the people who were on there, they probably thought, holy crap, I am in an episode of Full House. I get to play the teacher on Full House, or I get to play the bus driver on Full House. I'm on my way. But fame is fleeting, and only a tiny, tiny percentage of people ever get to be famous for their entire lives. And uh, and I think that chasing that fame is one of the most interesting things to watch from a distance. And I've watched it for years in my business. Um, and we'll talk about some examples of that one. But I'm going to, first of all, talk about what's in the news right now and chasing fame. Jesse Smollett is a story that everybody's been talking about and everybody's been following. And uh, people were kind of like when they first heard about this one, I'll give you a quick review. You know this story, so I don't want to, you know, you're, you're smart enough to know what the story is. This is the guy who was on Empire who was uh, allegedly attacked by uh, homophobic racists in Chicago in the middle of the night when he was making a subway run, getting a little sandwich, and then he was attacked by these two guys wearing um, MAGA hats, Make America Great Again hats, who uh, called him horrible names and beat him up and then ran away saying Chicago is, ma is MAGA country and, uh, and then put a rope around his neck and threw bleach on him. And, you know, when I first heard the story, I thought, oh, shit, God damn it. How embarrassing. How can this be that somebody would do this? And as I'm saying this, I got my head in my hands because I'm like, God, I really actually felt that way. How could somebody in 2019, when we want to make progress, everybody wants to make progress on race and, and um, you know, homophobia. Every decent person wants to make progress. How can something like this happen that sets us back so far 
man, I was pissed. And I'm sure you were pissed too. It's like, God, why just stay home? If you're a racist and a homophobe and you've got such hate in your heart, just stay home and, you know, read a book or do something. But then as the details of the story started to come out, it, you know, to any rationally minded person, you're like, well, well, that doesn't quite make sense. Why would he leave the rope around his neck? I mean, you know, you would think that that would be the first thing that you would want to take off. And and then why would somebody who's, you know, a racist and a big MAGA person, why would they ever watch Empire and recognize this guy? And then when he didn't turn over the phone records right away, and there was a lot of people, there was a lot of white people who stayed silent on this one because we didn't want to say, hey, you know, we think this or whatever. So we kind of stayed back. And I watched a lot of um, African-American TV shows, black TV shows, radio shows, whatever, kind of respond to this. And they didn't really believe him either, which I thought was really interesting. Um, because I think that when something like that happens, th- it's like when somebody says they were beat up or, or sexually assaulted, you don't want to doubt their story right away. You want to say, well, my gosh, let's find out who did this and let's, you know, seek out justice. And I think that was what everybody's reaction was. But when the hole started to get poked in the story, then people were like, well, 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 wait. And then this past weekend, it came out that it's pretty much, you know, they found these two guys that he allegedly and again, some of it's still up in the air. And by the time you hear this, who knows what could have developed in the story. But I'm not so much interested in whether he was telling the truth or not. I am, but but I'll, I'll get to my point here in a second. But this weekend, it, it seems that he pretty much hired these two guys that worked on the uh, show Empire to stage this attack. Now, here's the big question. If that is true, then why? Why would he do something like that? I mean, why set any progress that we may be trying to make between, um, you know, the races? God, that sounds so old-fashioned, like it's in the 50s, the races. Um why would he do that if he was not telling the truth? Well, somebody said this. They said it was because he was worried that he was going to be written out of the show Empire and he wanted to get his name out there. Now, again, forgive me if I'm way off base and this is by the time you hear this, this is not true or it's been turned around or whatever. But if that is true, that he wanted to be more famous or not getting written off, this goes back to fleeting fame fleeting fame of someone who starred in a movie or a tv show and thought they had it made and was never heard from again i mean we in radio talk about one hit wonders or people who had a huge couple of first albums and then were never heard from again um kings of leon for example and you might say hey kings of leon they still do their thing well not really they haven't had a hit song in about i don't know eight years or so but their first song I know you're going to lose somebody or you somebody was such an incredible song that people thought, oh, my God, they are the next big thing. Gautier was another one. Somebody that I used to know. Was that his song? Um, And then vanished because fame is fleeting. So with Joe Jesse Smollett, is it possible that he was trying to hold on to his fame? Because being famous, let's face it, is a whole lot easier than working for a living. You know, you and I, we have to go to work and we have to get up and we have to go in. We have to show up on time. We have to be respectful. We have to be uh, productive. We have to be able to show our results and show that we're worth it. And uh, being famous is kind of like, well, you know what? You still get to do that. Um, You still have to show your results, but it's pretty fucking lucrative. You make a lot of money. 
And it's fun maybe to be famous and go into Outback Steakhouse and get your meal comped because people know you from Empire or whatever. So, okay, so we've kind of talked about that, but this is where I want to go with next on fleeting fame. A couple of things. I watch American Idol. I don't want to watch it anymore, but when it was big, I watched it just like you. I watched American Idol regularly. I don't think I ever called in to vote, but maybe I did. I'm not sure. Anyway... Uh, side note, do you know that American Idol is what popularized text messaging? Do you remember when they used to say, send your SMS message um, with AT&T to this number, Idols 02? And you're like, what's a f- SMS message? What is that? That was text messaging. They were the first show to really popularize that and help it go mainstream. Anyway, you watch American Idol and the people on there, a lot of the time, that was their only investment in their future, their only hope for their future. They didn't study hard in school. They weren't very well educated or very well disciplined, but they definitely wanted fame. Fame is so attractive. Um, I look at some pop stars and I see how they'll do anything to stay famous. They'll pose for any picture. They'll show up at any concert. They'll do any kind of, you know, created image to be famous. I mean, the rumor around that is, is that Halsey is she was never homeless. Uh, there are rumors that she is not bi, that she has you know, created an image to appeal to people because she wanted to be famous. Okay, so let me bring this all the way back to when I first remember seeing this. Millie Vanilli, back in the late 80s, early 90s, you might remember the name. Girl, you know it's true. Ooh, 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 I love you. Uh, they had some other songs too. I can't remember them off the top of my head, Um, but Millie Vanilli was made famous, then infamous because they were not anything close to what they appeared to be. Let me back up a little bit here. Around 1988 or 89, Millie Vanilli comes onto the scene and they're really attractive model looking guys. Uh, Rob and Fab were their names. Young guys, probably 20, 25, um, very fit very beautiful men. I mean, that sounds weird for me to say that, but they were. They were beautiful men, and they were so cool-looking. And they sang, and they danced. They had cool hair, and they had cool clothes, and their songs were cool. Um, God, I can't remember anything except, Girl, You Know It's True. Um, But they had a string of hit songs uh, in the early, late 80s, early 90s. Well, back then... Lip syncing on stage was, you didn't do it. It was just like, you just didn't do it. And if you were caught doing it, then you were a fraud. Well, Millie Vanilli was caught lip syncing on stage in the worst possible way. And I put the video on the Facebook page, take a shower, show up on time and don't steal anything. And it is Millie Vanilli lip syncing to Girl You Know It's True. I'm going to play a clip of it right here. This is audio only of Millie Vanilli lip-syncing. Now, what I want you to listen for is, Girl, you know it's true. But it doesn't say, Girl, you know it's true. It goes, Girl, you know it's... Skip. Girl, you know it's... Girl, you know it's... Girl, you know it's... The freaking CD they were lip-syncing to skipped. And what happens? You'll hear a little bit of the skip. Then you'll hear one of the members of Millie Vanilli talk about his thoughts when that happened. It's a short clip, 30 seconds. Here we go. I'm so in love, girl. I'm so in love, girl. I'm just in love, girl. And this is true. Girl, you know it. Girl, you know it. Girl, you know it. I wanted to die. 
could stop. Girl, you know it's girl, you know it's girl. 80,000 people. Girl, you know it's girl. You know, I couldn't repeat it 15 times. Girl, you know, it got obvious still. So I stopped, I panicked, I ran upstairs. Julie Brown, who used to work for MTV, ran out. So amazing, right? I mean, wow. And here's what happened. From that, it snowballed. Then we found out that Millie Vanilli didn't even sing. Not only were they lip syncing in their live shows, they never sang on their album. They'd won a Grammy for Best New Artist in 1990. I think 89 or 90. And it was revoked. Could have been 91. And they had their Grammy revoked for Best New Artist because it turned out they didn't sing a note on their album. Well, the story behind it goes like this, is that somebody said, you know what, we've written these songs, we're not that attractive, we're older, we're average-looking guys with a beer belly, let's hire some hot, young, good-looking guys to pretend they sing these songs. They find these guys, Rob and Fab. Rob and Fab didn't seem to know what they were getting themselves into. We're going to bring you in, we're going to make you musicians, we're going to record you, you're going to become big stars. Shit, I want to be a big star, let's do it. And Rob and Fab tell the story a little bit differently than the producers of the album. Rob and Fab say, we came in with every intention of singing and doing this on our own. It was only later when we dug ourselves in so deep, we realized we couldn't get out. The producers tell a different story. They basically say, Rob and Fab knew exactly what we were doing. We had never planned to use any of their voice. They knew they were a couple of puppets. They were actors. They were pretending to sing. And they knew it, but they agreed to it because it made them famous and it made them comparatively wealthy for a couple of years. So there's, again, chasing fame almost at any price. And there's one celebrity, and I don't want to mention her because it just sounds bad, um, but I've watched this person change her stripes in music enough times that I feel bad for because it's like, which one is really you? Are you the bad girl? Are you the sexy girl? Are you the innocent girl? Are you the girl next door? I'm not talking about Miley Cyrus, by the way. Maybe you can figure it out. But I feel bad for her because it's like, I feel like she's so desperately claiming onto her fame. She would be, she would paint her face up in clown makeup if that meant that she could be famous for another three years. Because what do you do after you're famous? After that's gone away, what happens? With Millie Vanilli, one of the guys died. It's such a sad story. He died. I think he was destitute, ridiculed. He was a punchline for years and years and years, and he died. I don't know if it was drugs or what. Um, you look at other celebrities who you know, had like a little bit of fame. Dana Plato. Does that name even ring a bell? Dana Plato was on a big show in the 70s called uh, Different Strokes. It was a sitcom. She was 16 or so. And she was adorable, and she was maybe 14, and she played like the, the one of the supporting characters on the show. And then after that, she could never find work again. Because after fame, life is really hard. Because what do you do after when you're 20 years old and you're washed up? And she couldn't find work. She did some softcore porn. Um, she uh, ended up holding up a, a video store in Las Vegas with a pellet gun because she was so desperate for money and couldn't find work anywhere, eventually died in a rented RV of a drug overdose. 
fleeting fame and what people will do to remain famous. So if we come full circle now back to the beginning, if Jesse Smollett actually did do this, and it looks like at this point, it looks like he did fake this. But again, I'm keeping an open mind on this one. Maybe by the time you hear this one, that'll be proven wrong and maybe he really was a victim. But if he really did do this, that is how hard people will work to be famous. Not you, not me, but certain people. Aren't you glad that you never sought to become famous? Aren't you happy that you have a job that doesn't rely on you being famous or that you're all of a sudden going to be replaced by the next big thing next year? Listen, if you're a chemist or a scientist or you're a dentist or you're a physical therapist, guess what? They need you. They'll need you for a long time, probably right up until you retire. So they're never going to be looking for a younger, more attractive dentist or a younger, hotter physical therapist or a trendier architect. Well, maybe trendier architect, maybe so. But I think you get the idea. So you and I, we don't really have to worry about that so much. Maybe me more than you, because in my business, you know, especially working at a radio station that's younger, like KDWB, here I am, you know, not getting any younger, but I'm still able to work there. And I think that is based mostly on my incredible genius and for entertainment and my artfulness. And I'm so full of shit. I, I think I get to work at KWB because, um, frankly, um, I think that they, they just know that I do a good job. And they know that I'm always going to bring 110%. And I'm always going to do my best. And we don't always win every time. We don't always succeed every time we try a new bid or try a new feature or write a new parody song or whatever. We don't always win. But I never stop trying and I never will. It's just not in me. I just can't go, you know, oh no. Okay. And I've seen people, I have seen people go, oh, oh, yeah, oh. and I see it all the time. And I'm like, how in the fuck do you have a job in a big city? And your attitude is like, oh, oh, I don't care. Because there are people who would love to have your job. All right, moving on to some other things. Uh, we talked about Josie Smollett. Oh, I want to read this email that I got that was kind of interesting that I got last week. And it, here we go. Because here's what I was talking about a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. I was talking about how, God, how did I even say this? Maybe I should read the email. I know what it was. It was something along the lines of, um, uh, you know, when I first started at KWB, I didn't make much money. I made good money. Don't get me wrong. I made really good money. But I didn't make much compared to the person that I was replacing or even compared to the job that I had before. I was just happy to get a job. I was very happy to be hired at KWB. And when you want a job, you don't get to be a, you know, you don't get to choose your salary. You go, it's beggars can't be choosers. KWB had a job. I wanted the job. They could have paid me in Arby's coupons and cassette tapes. And I would have probably said, well, you know, I guess I'll make that work. Then I talked about how, um, you know, Fallon, she's been there six years, makes way more than I did when I was there for six years, makes way more than I did even about six or seven years ago. And I've been there for 25 years and I full credit to Fallon. And here's why I give her full credit. She had other offers. When you have other offers, you will get a big raise if they still want you. And so I look at what Fallon makes now and she makes really good money. And I'm like, wow, it took her six years or less to make that. And it took me about 
15 to 18 years at KWB to make that. Well, I know times have changed and salaries are different, but they haven't changed as much as is the difference in, I hope I'm making sense. Anyway, that's what I talked about a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. More power to Fallon because she had another offer. She negotiated with a from a standpoint of leverage and strength. And if you ever learn anything, read a book, a really simple book, about negotiating. And one of the first lessons is always negotiate from a position of strength. In other words, if I don't get it, that's okay. I'll leave. If you're buying a car and you and the salesperson knows you want that car, they know they gotcha. But if you're like, nah, you know, if I don't get it here, I'll probably just wait till next year, maybe next summer buy a car. I did that one time. Um, my first new car when I was about 22, 23 years old, I wanted this car but I couldn't get financed for it. My dad wasn't going to co-sign for me, so I had to walk away. Oh, that's too bad. They called me the next morning, and they said, we're going to finance for you anyway, because they knew that they were either going to sell it to me or they weren't, or I was going to walk away. So negotiate from a position of strength. So here's the email from Heather. She says, I don't normally listen to you live, but rather I listen to your podcast on the way to work and the way home. I live in Delaware and drive to Philadelphia to go to work every day because of traffic. It's normally an hour and a half drive in the morning, yikes, and a two-hour drive in the evening. So needless to say, I spend a lot of time with you four. I feel as if I know you all personally, and those times I listen is our time to catch up on what's happening. All of you make the trek less tedious, and I find that I need that daily laugh. You give me more than I need my coffee. I'm about Dave's age. I'm sorry. I'm kidding. And relate very much to him. While my daughter is Jenny's age, and I can see the things Jenny does because of my daughter, though, thank heavens, my daughter is way more mellow than Jenny. I happen to be listening to you live yesterday, and I caught the conversation you, Dave, were having regarding salary. Oh, this was on the radio. Might not have been the podcast. Um, I don't think Fallon, Jenny, and Tina can really understand right now about the salary gap. But I was nodding the entire time you were talking. In 2005, I started out as an administrative assistant making $10 an hour. It took me 10 years to bring my salary up to $17 an hour. And I also went from being an admin to a regional administrative assistant covering four states. Now that I was in a hiring firing position, I was aware of what people were making and what my admins were starting at. I was shocked to find out that admins were coming in and starting at $12 an hour. It took me eight years to get to that salary with the company, and people were walking in the door starting that. I smiled and gritted my teeth, but I kept my mouth shut because I understand that times change and cost of living keeps going up, and the company had to stay kind with the times. Needless to say, that one year in management was enough for, was enough for me, and I left for bigger and better. But I understand, Dave, where you were coming from with how long it took you to get to where Fallon or the rest may have walked in the door and immediately got I learned a valuable lesson, and I knew from that point on to know my worth and fight for my worth. My daughter's only 24, is making more money than I've ever made or probably will ever make. I pray for the youth of today never have to struggle and fight like we had to back then, but rather realize their value and speak up because they genuinely know their worth. And she goes on to you know, some more compliments, and, and uh, she's very nice, and she jokes about how if she ever comes to Minnesota, she will not go visit the Cherry and the Spoon, which is the ugliest monstrosity that needs to be sold for scrap. Uh, she says, uh, I'm listening every day, and I look forward to catching up with what's happening with each of you. With love and laughter, Heather. 
Uh, she goes on one footnote. She says, Dave, I have that same condition you do where you don't remember people's names or even faces at times. I remember people's names. I cannot remember faces. Um, I went to a wedding right before Christmas. Um, a wedding. I mean, I got to the wedding. The bride and the groom invited me. And I'll admit, I know the bride better than I know the groom, but I went to their freaking wedding. About three weeks ago, I ran into the groom and I did not recognize him. I didn't recognize this guy that I had seen less than two months before at his freaking wedding. I don't recognize faces all the time. I just don't. And it's the most awful, awkward thing. And there's actually a name for it. And I'm not the only one that has it. Um, she goes on to say, I've had people say, don't you remember me? And I have to shake my head and say, please help me out. What do you do for that? My friends, family, and coworkers laugh it off and it drives me nuts. Early dementia? Huh. Um, uh, anyway, thanks, Heather, for the email. Send an email to Dave Ryan at kdwb.com. Uh, I will only go on to say, I hope you get the most money out of your employer as you possibly can. Yet at the same time, know your worth. Because if you walk in there and say, I want a 30% raise, not a 3% raise, and you're not sure whether they really value, value you or not, you might get the boot. So figure out your worth before you do that. And thanks for the email. Okay, a couple of other quick things. Um, uh, I'm watching a show called Pen15. It is so cute. It's so sweet. It's about these two girls. Um in junior high and seventh grade in 2000 and all the 2000 millennial millennium references like AOL and instant messenger and ask Jeeves and things like that. Um, they're so cute. They're so sweet. And these girls are just so sweet to each other. It's called pen 15 and it's about all the, just the funny, awkward shit that teenage boys, but especially girls go through. Check it out. Fallon turned me on to it. It's called pen 15. Finally, um, you know, I'm always trying to think of things to add in my, my new book. If I write a new book, and I probably will, uh, take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything, book two, but I kind of got to come up with a better name than that. Um, and I thought of one, and I really want you to think about this one. I want you to think about it because I know you're guilty. I know you are. You don't light your candles. Oh, you might light some of them, but you have special candles around that you don't light. And maybe you get a gift of a candle from your kid or your grandma or your mom bought you one. And you go, you know what? That's too fucking special. I'm not going to light that candle. And so the candle sits there and it gathers dust. And pretty soon it becomes ugly because a dusty candle, you can't really get it clean. And then after a while, you forget who gave it to you. Was it your mom? Was it your grandma? Was it your daughter? You're not sure. And then you throw it away. Screw that. I want you, as soon as you're done or maybe while you're listening to the podcast, when you get a chance... Find a candle that you haven't lit. Take the lid off that damn thing if it's got a lid on it and light it and enjoy it and breathe in and savor it and light that candle and enjoy it. Why not? What are you saving it for? Light it. Enjoy it. When the glass is empty, when the vase is empty, or if it has one, throw it away. If not, wait till it burns. It won't burn anymore and throw it away. That's my advice to you. And I think that's kind of a metaphor for enjoy the shit while you can. Enjoy that candle while you can. Enjoy your life while you can. Enjoy your youth and your health and your sexy, sexy body while you can. Because guess what? Someday it might not be so sexy and sometime, someday you won't be so healthy. So is that the perfect metaphor or what? Light your fucking candle. 
and excuse my language, but I'm really, I really feel passionate about that. Light your candle. Go find one. Burn it. Enjoy it before the scent is all gone. Because you know what happens with a candle? Let's say you get a blueberry-scented candle and you don't burn it for three years. Guess what? The scent goes away. Go burn it. Go light it. That's all I have to say about that one, but it's going to be a chapter in my next book. Let me know your feedback on that one. Also, let me know your feedback on the podcast. If you will, rate the podcast, leave a review of the podcast, tell your friends about it. We found out that the number one way that people learn about a podcast is through word of mouth, just like I learned about um, Fallon's podcast. Well, I learned about it from her, uh, but I learned about um, Pen15 from Fallon. You don't see advertisement for Hulu shows on, you know, other mediums, really. So you don't see an advertisement for my podcast on NBC or on MSNBC or on a billboard. But tell your friends, if you know somebody who likes our show and you think they might like this podcast, then let them know about the podcast. Take a shower, show up on time and don't steal anything. And with that, we are going to wrap it up. I'm going to double check the audio to make sure I went through the right microphone, but I think I did. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Again, love your feedback. Emails to Dave Ryan at kdwb.com. Um, rate the podcast. Check out the Facebook page. Uh, take a shower. Show up on time and don't steal anything on Facebook. Until next week, have a great week. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.